Hey guys, welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show, Life, Love, and Liberty. Uh, number one question on Americans' minds, as well as across the globe, quite honestly, are vaccinations. Uh, people are being shamed into them, scared to death into them. People, there's a lot of confusion, disinformation, misinformation around them. Um, I'm going to tell you exactly why I decided to bring on Dr. Jane Ruby today. And uh, Dr. Jane Ruby, thank you for joining us today and for making time to come on with your expertise. You've got over 20 years of vaccine knowledge and expertise, as well as you're a health economist. Uh, Explain a little bit of that and just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and why uh, you are the voice of reason with regard to vaccinations. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show, Monica. Um, It's a real pleasure. Uh, uh, Just a a slight course correction. On my background, um, I, I'm a medical professional and licensed. I've treated patients in hospitals and in ICUs. Uh, but after that, the majority of my adult life, I've spent my career in pharmaceutical drug development. I've launched some of the most famous drugs uh, on the planet. Um, so I'm very familiar with all the phases of research and all the requirements and things like that, which kind of drew me into this whole issue to begin with. Um, so, so anyway, that's, that's really where my tack is. I'm, I'm just very concerned that people aren't getting the right information and what we're seeing with the way these, um, first of all, I, I want to correct also the term vaccine. I, um, it's not a vaccine. Any, none of the four injections by these four companies are a vaccine by definition. A vaccine by definition uh, confers immunity to you. In other words, whatever they use for it, it's supposed to, uh, encourage your body to create a surveillance system to recognize that virus in the future and then to specifically create a little army uh, of cells that will kill that uh, organism if it is seen in your body again. Okay. These four injections do none of that. In, in fact, they weren't even studied for that. So anyway, just wanted to give you a little intro into what my passion is around getting people, you know, this information. Yeah. yeah. Uh, excellent. Thank you so much. And yes, that, that, okay. So yesterday we also talked about a word that, um, I have not heard it, it maybe people have used it. I don't know, but, but it, with regard to permanence. Okay. And so I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to dive deep into that. Everything you just said is very important because it confers immunity, which is not happening. And, and so when, when these kids and older people and uh, blacks and people who have been targeted specifically for the vaccine, I mean, all of us have been targeted, but there are certain demographics that are being held to a standard of, you know, uh, either blase fair or it's, uh, you know, or, or um, if you don't get it, you, you stand a, just this disproportionately bigger chance of dying. Although you have comorbidities that we all know are exist with regard to COVID-19, but no one's discussing a surveillance system of your immune system. I have not heard anyone really getting down into the, to the meat of what a vaccine is, uh, what it and what these are not, like you just did, and the permanence of what is being introduced into the human body, I think is is very important for us to address. Do you mind going over that? 
No, not at all. Um, I guess, you know, sort of starting from the beginning, you did a nice job of laying it out. Um, we have our own natural immunity. Uh, we've never lived in a sterile world. We've all been living in a sea of, you know, fungus and viruses and bacteria, protozoa, you know, all these things since the day we emerged from our mother's womb. And for the most part, we all do pretty well. Right. Um, and so, so this issue of zero infection and zero viruses does not exist in real life. Um, right. So we have our own natural immunity. And like I said, it's a little bit in two parts. Um, when, when you have a, a system that has been exposed to, like, say, a common cold, you, you keep getting the common cold because there, there are different variations of it. Those are not mutations. They're different viruses that uh, emerge from other processes in the world. But, but your body will recognize something it's been attacked with before, like a virus or a bacteria, and it will, it will develop a system that rec- that's two parts. It recognizes it mm-hmm. and then does something about it. So the reason I was defining vaccine is I think it's really important because they've used the word vaccine for these four injections, and it's actually 100% incorrect. Okay. Um, they're not vaccines. They were um, actually uh, authorized by the FDA, which is very different than an FDA approval. Um, and, and so they've authorized it on an emergency use basis. Now, the, at the FDA themselves, ha- the, themselves has uh, regulations and guidelines as to what is allowed to be emergency authorized and okay. what is not. Okay. And when you have existing approved FDA approved drugs to treat something that have a record of safety and efficacy, it is illegal to emergency authorize the use of something. Okay. So technically, under these these four these four injections are really illegal because we do have a multitude of approved uh, approaches medications that will uh, eradicate and cure. And by the way, without any treatments, Monica, I want to emphasize to the audience you have an almost 100% chance of recovery. So the fact that we are being pushed to the wall right. to get every American and every person on the planet immunized should raise everyone's suspicion. I Well, I know for sure it does for my followers. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we are all we're all very uh, awakened, not to be confused with woke, of, of what's going on. And so I, I want to back up just a little bit. My, my motivation for this whenever I called you is because I have been um, made aware that the Gen Zers are just simply uh, they're they're not questioning really anything about the vaccine. Um, I asked my daughter, who is a Gen Zer, to maybe put out, you know, some questions about what her generation has questions around the vaccine. And she said, I'll be honest with you, Mom, um, there aren't really any questions. Uh, people are just willing to, they, they don't see anything wrong with it. They're just, there aren't any problems, and they're just going to take the vaccine, and most of them have. And I thought to myself, wow, how did we get here for such an enlightened, you know, generation of people and then I realized that most of their information is coming from TikTok. It's coming from other social media mediums. And I'll be honest with you, uh, Dr. Ruby, I feel like people are, that generation is very tired of the partisanship around medicine, around this particular, oh, well, I call it a disease, but but this particular shamdemic, in my humble opinion. And see, there I go. See, when I say that, I immediately become partisan to these kids. And I don't mean to be other than I do have an, an enormous amount of information that points to this was human created 
in a lab. It's nothing new, really. This has happened before in the past. This just happens to be a new approach with the level of uh, encroachment uh, on behalf of our government and others. Um, but this group of, of people, of these I call them kids because mine's about to be 25, they, they've created their own insular communities where it's like, well, this is what we've decided we're going to do. And ironically enough, they kind of feel like they're bucking the system, even though the government is mandating these vaccines. So we talked a little bit about that yesterday. And I just want to put the partisanship aside for a minute to be able to get what you do brilliantly. Thank you. Um, to get to the meat of all of this. So you guys watching on Zoom and who will watch after this, this is my motivation is that I have a young person uh, who is also considering vaccination. um, And I have multiple young people in my sphere who have already done it or some who are having complications, Dr. Ruby, who are, um, they're seeking to have children and they've already started having complications with their menstrual cycles. So that's my motivation for being here today on a Saturday. I feel like we're up against a little bit of a clock where uh, people are like, hey, I want to travel. It's the summer. I'm ready to open back up again. And, you know, either they're shamed into a vaccination or they just don't think it's a big deal. They think they're doing the right thing. Something you asked me yesterday was, you know, about these kids in general. What do you think their intrinsic motivation as 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 people are seeking to be vaccinated? What Walk us through maybe some of the psychology, because that's an area of expertise for you as well. Um, walk us through maybe some of the psychology of, of, of how people get to a place where they're like, well, screw it. I'm just going to take the vaccine because it's just too much trouble to be shamed out of church, not be able to shop. I can't travel to Italy. You know, my friends are all doing it. Can you walk us through some of that? Sure. That's, that's a lot to unpack. Um, <laughs> let me start off by, by really, yes. well, really applauding these guys, younger people, um, because they're really recognizing something really important, something that we never had to deal with um, heretofore, and that is the collision of medicine and politics. Yep. But what I would urge them to do is don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, is an old expression. Mm-hmm. Um, you can separate, I agree with you, w- with them, that the, the partisanship, that the politics is really overwhelming. If we separate the medicine from the politics, you've got to, you know, put, put the politics aside, I agree. But don't don't spite your nose to you know yeah. don't spite your face by cutting off your nose. Right. Um. The, the, by separating the medicine, you have to. Your these people are in their twenties. They're still adults. They're not kids to me, and right. they're going to be responsible for the choices they make, just as we all are. And so I would urge them to separate the, the their frustration with politics uh, from the medicine and really take a closer look. TikTok is not the end of of the street. For information, you, you you can do your own independent. You're living in a wonderful time where you can get even even though there's a lot of censorship and and the like, you're still living in a time that that we've never known before with tons of information available to you. Yeah. But you've got to look. And the reason I urge young people to look is because this is not a traditional vaccine. A, a traditional vaccine has some temporary excipients in it, meaning other ingredients that help the the the, the drug work. Um, that you can detoxify from later on. You can chelate them off. You can take certain things mm-hmm. to, to, to reverse some of the uh, the effects. You cannot do this with this. As I said before, it's not a vaccine. 
it's a gene therapy. And if you don't believe me, you can go to the Moderna website. That's one of the four companies under the emergency use authorization. And it's one of the two that directly use messenger RNA technology to get this into your cells. It does not encourage your body to make antibodies to protect you for future exposure. What it does is it gets into every cell in your body mm-hmm. and it, it forces your own DNA to be used to replicate the spike protein, which I hope everyone has heard of by now, the COVID, the SARS-CoV-2 virus itself that it originally made people ill last year with the flu right. has, like a lot of coronaviruses, and that's where the name comes from, these re- kind of red angry spikes on the outside of the virus molecule. Right. And these but your body is being forced to make those spikes. And it's important for me to make this distinction because it's the spike proteins that cause illness and injury. Now, what these spike proteins do, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving the young people a little heads up because they can go and they can check me on this. I challenge them to fact check me on this. But I'm, I'm doing a little bit of their work for them because these spike proteins that you're being forced to make, if you get any of these four injections, are permanent. They are embedded in every cell in your body, and I can tell you I have the preclinical proof because they compete with a protective enzyme called angiotensin 2 converting enzyme 2. They compete with, that's a very protective enzyme. It's in your heart, your lungs, your your brain. It's what protects, when your body starts making a placenta, when a woman gets pregnant, the construction of that placenta is laid down with protective ACE2 uh, materials oh, wow. that create the lining for all that. Mm-hmm. Now that's the connection to the bleeding, the blood clots, the miscarriages. And I want to go back to the permanent. This is an irreversible permanent genetic therapy. If grandma takes it, I'm going to be upset. But if my 25 year old or my 30 year old takes it, you're going to have to live with what we don't really know. Right. And let me, let me just quickly explain why we don't know it. These studies never finished. I said earlier that I'm an expert in pharmaceutical drug development. Right. There's a certain process that you have to go through, according to the FDA, to get approval for any kind of drug or treatment. Yeah, what is that process? This emergency use, well, that process is a multi-stage where we start with preclinical and animal work to make sure that, you know, we're not using something very poisonous or dangerous. Mm -hmm. And let me just give you a little history. There was SARS-CoV-1, and they tried to create a vaccine for that about four to to six years ago. All the animals died in those studies, and they had to shut it down. When they came back with this program, by some terrible miracle, but like a negative miracle, they were allowed to bypass the preclinical stages. Remember, animals and Petri dishes. Yeah. Then we go to phases one through four. In phase one, we test a drug in maybe 10 to 15 healthy males. We just start with that generic thing. We look at their pharmacokinetics, their pharmacodynamics, how the drug behaves in the body, how the body breaks it down, and whether or not it's toxic to those healthy people. If it makes it past phase one, it goes to phase two. In phase two, we start to get to the meat. We get a small number of people with the disease or that we're testing the disease in. And if they, if they make it through safety, these are still safety levels. Then we go to phase 2B, which is to test it in a large number of people who either have a disease, you know, if you're testing something for diabetes or something like that, right. or in this case, you know, people who would be vulnerable to the vaccine or to the virus, sorry. In, in phase three, then, then we do what we see these companies starting to do, 
which is huge multi-center trials, tens of thousands of patients. And then by at the end of that study, and it usually takes two or three years to get those done, right. then you submit that data to the FDA and they either accept it or reject it. Here's the problem, Monica. These studies in phase three for all four companies, they are only halfway through. And what they did was they took these randomized controlled trials, which are placebo controlled, which are the gold standard for pharmaceutical for FDA approval. And they started the jab program, this, this push to vaccinate, quote unquote, vaccinate. Right. And what they did was they converted essentially this randomized placebo controlled trial into a open label because you know what you're getting. People say, oh, what, what am I in line for? Oh, you're getting Pfizer today. Or you're getting Moderna today. Right. That's what we call an open label. You're, okay. you're you're aware of what you're getting, and it's converted to an open label, long-term observational. So people can be injured, hurt, and and die, and all we're going to do is take notes and yeah. reports and all that. Uh, and so and so that those are the basic phases. But understand that these trials are not even over yet until 2023. And here's my question to everyone: whether you're Five years old, 25, or 80. Why on earth would you want to take something that has no long-term safety or efficacy yet, that is completely experimental for a flu with an almost 100% recovery rate that might permanently change your DNA? Now, let me, let, let me, let me just say one other thing because I get very passionate about this. Of course, go for it. If you're a young woman in your 20s. Yeah. And if you're a young woman in your 20s and you have any interest at all in being a mother, in having a child, don't do this because this is going to permanently uh, change your genetic material and you will likely not be able to sustain a long-term healthy pregnancy because your placenta will be broken down by these spike proteins. We have no idea um, how, how long the body will be forced to manufacture these spike proteins in the billions. Well, we already know now there are some people doing analyses of feces, of sputum, uh, that's saliva and, and uh, um, yeah. material in your lungs, uh, liquid in your lungs. We're seeing um, in the billions uh, these spike proteins and sometimes they're broken up. The body is probably desperately trying to break them up um, and, and, and to excrete them. But right. if your body is being forced genetically you know, it's a blueprint. If you want somebody to build a house, you give them a blueprint, right? right. And they go by that blueprint to right. create that house. If they keep building houses down your street, okay, and charging you for it, you, you say to them, well, stop. I only gave you the blueprint for one. We don't have a stopgap on this genetic material. Right. So very concerning, very frightening. Uh, my hashtag, Monica, that I'm kind of getting a little not- notoriety for is hashtag just wait. You, you know, Hello. If you want to trade a lifetime, <laughs> right. yes. Yeah, if you want to trade a lifetime of inflammatory issues, autoimmune diseases, miscarriages, yeah. for a trip, you know, to Spain next year, right. or, or you know, or to Canada or something like that, right? You better think a little bit longer about that. Right. Right. Well, that that is a lot, and thank you for again. You used the term permanence yesterday, and and here's the thing, I think too. You know, when we get to people are like, well, there's fetal tissue in it. Okay. And people are like, what? 
how is that even possible? I mean, people just have a hard time wrapping their minds around things like that. Or uh, people are like, well, it's going to turn you into some kind of a uh, an android, some kind of a hybrid human, right? And when, and when those narratives are being pushed, people push back because cognitively, I think it causes so much of a dissonance there that they just shut you down. And they're like, there's no way our government or drug companies would allow for that to happen. And they don't want to believe certain things. And so is talk to, I want to go to a caller because I've actually asked people to call in today. And for those of you who are on the Zoom sure. call, if you want to call in, I cannot unmute you on here because the doctor cannot hear you through Zoom. All right. Hey, so welcome to the Monica Matthews Show. Who are we speaking with? Hello, this is Brian. Hey, Brian. Okay, so uh, what's hey, your question? I, I, oh, man, she thoroughly answered my question. And <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've had questions from the beginning about it just for long-term effects. And I know none of them have, have really gone through the FDA process, you know, uh, for any kind of long-term study. So she really did a the doctor you had on or I don't I didn't get your name. She's still here. Really she's she's actually she can answer any questions that you have. It's Dr. Jane Ruby and she's actually on the call with Hi, us. Hi Brian. Hello. So uh, you, you did an amazing job and I didn't really know the nuts and bolts of, of how it worked. Um and you really broke it down for me good, especially the spikes. I did not know that. Thank you. Um yeah thank you. And I appreciate that because you know me and my wife we're not quite fifty and you know, we we said we're probably not going to do it. Now listening to you, I'm definitely not going to do it. So uh, I'm an RVer. We're in a really, really closed community. It's just me and the wife. So we just travel through the U.S. and got no real, you know, incentive to get it. So I'll just wait it out. Excellent. Brian, yeah. Brian yeah, was there, so. was yeah, there so a reason you. that you were thinking? What was your primary reason for thinking you would get it? Travel outside the country. Because exactly. uh, I don't know how... Like, I don't know. I mean, of course, it's always political, but, you know, the airlines are businesses. They can do what they want to. And if they say, you know, hey, we're not going to let you out of the country unless you have a, uh, you know, whatever, you know, passport or whatever. Um, you know, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, right. I'll just decline to travel. And that, that'd be my only reason to get it. Okay. So that, now that you, yeah, you know, kind of made it really quick. Yeah, go ahead. That was my thought, too, um, Brian. I, um, you know, I, I think in about um, probably something like six to 18 months, you're going to start seeing, they're not going to be able to hide the numbers much longer. You're going to start seeing some serious illness and death, and people are going to start to put it together. And, and my, you know, I, I'm not trying to be cute with the hashtag just wait, but I think if, if you do wait, you're, you're not losing anything. Um, you still always have the option to take it if you wanted to, for whatever reason, but um it, it, it's not worth your life and your health of the rest of your life uh, for, for a trip here and there. And in a couple of years, I think when we, God willing, get past this, um, a lot of people are going to look back and say, gosh, I am so, so glad, so grateful to God that I waited. I waited. And, um, and, we, and you're not going to need those types of things to travel. Right. Excellent. Well, like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time and breaking it down on uh, Monica show. I, I listen to her a lot and she's awesome. Thank you. Uh, she sure really, is. Thanks really. so much. Thank yeah. you. And Brian, Thank I, you this much. is actually, I'll make it available. Uh, so it'll be up on my podcast platform. So you guys can take it and run with it, share it in as many places as you want. That's what I'm here for. Thank you. And have a good Saturday. Thanks for calling Thank you, in. Monica. All right, hon. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. Have a good one. 
Okay, so yeah, all right, guys. Again, if you are on the Zoom call and you want to call in and ask questions, that's what she's here for today. You're speaking with Dr. Jane Ruby. Now, listen, I want to I want to read. I asked my daughter to, you know, blast out to people in her age group some questions. You've already answered a lot of them, but I, I want to do her the honor of actually asking these questions um, in sync. Yeah. And then some people have just joined us on Zoom who did not uh, have the um, honor of hearing some of these answers. Okay, so questions. Fertility. And the vaccine is question number one, which you just covered, but can you cover that it, it, it maybe in a little bit more in depth or again? Is there a question? Fertility and the vaccine. It, uh, how is, it, yes. Is, could it cause infertility mm-hmm, in men and in women? And like you said, it could okay. cause an issue with the placenta, uh, you know, the fetus attaching. I mean, all of these things. Okay. Sure. And, and this will be a little bit of a disadvantage uh, to the folks who just came in, but maybe they could go back later and listen to the front part, but I'll do a very brief summary. Okay. So these are not vaccines. They actually are genetic therapies that uh, that get into your every cell in your body, as you know, has DNA. And they use part of the DNA to uh, not to create any antibodies to the, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, but rather to force your body to become a perpetual spike protein machine the spike proteins are on the physically on the outside of the SARS virus, and they are the pathogen. Pathogen is disease-causing. They are the things that make you sick. But they also do something else that's very, very destructive. They compete with something in your body. I know these are technical terms, and I apologize. You have a very protective enzyme uh, in your system called angiotensin-converting enzyme 2. And what that is found ubiquitously throughout your body. It particularly is protective in your endothelial lining. And we have preclinical, tons of preclinical evidence that says that the, 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 the receptor that the spike protein gets onto in, in your body cell mm-hmm. is the same receptor that is used by the ACE2 enzyme. Okay. What does that mean? It means it's competing successfully and it gets on those and it, it will drive this uh, inflammation process, autoimmune. And, and the like, wherever there are endothelial tissues. So when you get pregnant as a woman and you just start to develop the life-giving placenta that your baby lives in mm-hmm. for the nine months, those there are proteins, by the way. First of all, your body does develop a recognition of the spike protein, and it's in a, it's in a perpetual chase to create antibodies against the spike, but it's never going to win. Because the spike is going to be produced by your body by the billions over and over and so over again. So does that create an autoimmune issue? Yes, it can create what we call antibody-dependent enhancement, okay. which is another reason that it's incredibly dangerous for people to take any of these injections if they've had the natural disease. And I can tell you that if you go to the CDC website, there was an update meeting on December 20th, 2020, before this big push program was rolled out, and it was a webinar for physicians, hundreds of thousands of physicians, and they were told um, about uh, this, and they were told to that if someone has a reaction, even just difficulty breathing, um, severe fever, things like that, that they should not administer the second injection to them. So, so anyway, uh, th- just to get back to the and placenta, we and we've heard nothing um, about that, by the way, Doctor Ruby. Like, I, I you're the first person I've heard that's say that. Correct. Right. 
Yes, correct. I, I actually broke it on um, with, with the, on the Stu Peters, Stu Peters yeah. in the last hour. Excellent. Uh, yeah, of Infowars, and so we we brought that out yesterday because um, I actually just discovered the the paperwork, if you will, and and the PowerPoint from that meeting with all of this information in it. But getting back, I just want to be really clear about the relationship between fertility, at least in women. Um, and so there's a lot of endothelial lining in the uterus. That's mm-hmm. why you're hearing of uh, people who've never had problems with their periods getting these injections and they have periods, run on periods for 30, 40, 50 days. Um, and unfortunately, we're seeing lots of miscarriages. And remember, if any of you go to the VAERS site, which is actually within the CDC website, it's, it stands for Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. Mm-hmm. And you can run your own searches, especially if okay. you're um, really into like spreadsheets and you know using raw data. But you can just do basic searches. And I want you to know that whatever numbers you're pulling up, and they're huge numbers mm-hmm. for, for you know, deaths in young people, you know, teens and 20s getting blood clots for the first time in their lives and being dead or permanently disabled. Um, I want you to remember something. A study done at Harvard, which was independent of any politics, found that the VAERS system across the last five to 10 years is only, it's a self-reporting system, uh, but it's all we have right now. But anyway, they found that the, the VAERS system really only represents about 1% of what's really happening. So, and that's without the CDC, wow. you know, manipulating any numbers or anything else you might be suspicious of. Right. What does that mean? Let's go back to basic math. That means that whatever numbers you're finding, if you find that there were a thousand miscarriages last month for in women in their 20s who had the, had the jab, right. you're actually looking at multiplying that by 100, right? So it's much higher than we know. And again, no reason not to wait. Just wait. Right. No, I agree. I agree. And so also on the blood clot thing, can you, how, how does that happen? In, yes. can, yeah, yeah. Walk us through that. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to what's called the down regulation of ACE2. If ACE2 is out there, this angiotensin converting enzyme, which is so protective and in our bodies, mm-hmm. it's very, like I said, ubiquitous in endothelial tissue. Endothelial tissue is a fancy name for the, t- the cell lining of your, your arteries and, right. and veins. Okay. So now stay with me on that. Yeah. So if the, if, the SAR, if the spike protein is competing, and it is successfully, that means there's the, the, ACE recept, the ACE2 enzyme has no chance. Um, the competing right. is, is overwhelming by the spike protein. Right. And so if the spike protein is, uh, is taking up all those receptors, it's damaging. Remember, it's pathogenic. Right. The spike is not innocent. It's, it's the disease-causing portion of COVID, of COVID flu. So, so it's actually causing damage and destruction in fact, there's an article, and Monica, I just want to cite it for the audience, because I do not make statements without scientific backing, and I can't, you know, I don't have the bandwidth or the time to share everything in, right. in, in one hour, right. that kind of thing, but I do want people to have the benefit. So there's a journal called Circulation. Circulation is a peer-reviewed, very high-level, no-nonsense scientific journal on, on cardiopulmonary health. They published an article in April last month this is how fresh this is and i want to read the title now that i've kind of begun to educate everybody on um the spike protein and its relationship to the down regulation of of this ace2 
right. enzymes. And the reason that's important is because this is the direct cause of your bleeding in your blood clots, in the brain, the heart, the lungs, and in your legs, etc. The title of the article is SARS-CoV-2 Spike Protein. Okay? Mm-hmm. So they're focusing on the spike that your body's being forced to make with these jabs. Okay? Un, you know, ad infinitum. We don't know if there's a turnoff switch. Right. But SARS-CoV-2 spike protein impairs endothelial function via the down regulation of ACE2. If you're hogging those receptors, then ACE2's uh, activity is what we call down-regulated. It's dampened. It can't be act very active. What happens? So those vessels, anything with an endothelial lining gets attacked, gets oh, roughed wow. up. The cells physically get blown up and right. broken up. Right. And those, those cell linings in critical organs start to put this together in your mind. And here's the problem, Monica. Here's the frightening part to me as a scientist. Mm-hmm. By the, when I said to you in six to 18 months, you're going to see a lot of illness and a lot of de- death. Mm-hmm. It's going to look like normal cardio, pulmonary, exactly. uh, autoimmune yes. on steroids. And I want people to know now, because you're going to be able to say to yourself, Damn. Yep. Was that Dr. Jane Ruby? Is this what she was talking about? Yes. Not have the authorities tell you. Right. Right. Oh, that's just, we just had an uptick in cardiovascular events. No, no, we didn't have an uptick. Right. We had a forced uptick. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Yes. Thank you for that. I have two more, call- I have two other yeah. additional callers in the queue. All right. So hold that thought. All right. Yes. So this is William Perry. He says he has a question about the post COVID syndrome. I'm hearing a lot about that. I'd like to know about if there's any complications after someone has had the COVID. So I'm confused. My doctor told me to get the shot, but I'm worried about the post-COVID syndrome because it damages um, organs. So let's go to William. And William, welcome to my show. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. Thank you. I appreciate this uh, question and answer session. I'm sorry I joined late, so I might be a little bit behind on the knowledge. No, sir, you're good. And Dr. Uh, Ruby's with us on the call, so ask away. Yes. uh, As uh, Ms. Matthews indicated, my doctor is encouraging me to get the shot, and anyone, I guess, who goes to her, based upon the fact that she's saying, uh, as you described, uh, damage to heart, and long, and even in young people. So what I'm hearing from you is the vaccine does not prevent post-COVID syndrome. Let, let me, hi, William. Thank you so much for your question. Mm-hmm. Let, let me clarify a couple of uh, base, you know, foundational points. Um, mm-hmm. As it, it, You probably did miss this in the beginning. I was emphasizing that this is not a vaccine. It is falsely right. named a vaccine. We have to start there, and I'll tell you why. A vaccine gives you protection in the fu- into the future so that if you ever get exposed to this again, your body will react to it and protect you from it and remove that vaccine uh, through your body, out of your body, via your feces, your urine, uh, any other fluids. Um, that's, that's number one. Um, number two, uh, since it's not a vaccine, you have no protection against SARS-CoV-2 if you've never had the disease and you're getting one of these injections. Now, I want to go to the point that you said, if you've already had the natural illness, that means you caught it, you know, generally uh, in the world, you know, last year or this year, um, your body recognized the virus, the spike proteins. It mounted a chemical defense. That's why you recovered. But it also did something else that is incredible, 
which tells me there's a God. Your body not only took it, took care of it and, and had you heal, your body created a memory of it. And so when you're and, and a little army to get rid of it, if it ever sees it again, what does that mean? So if a person who has the immunity, real immunity from the natural disease gets this injection, and you probably also missed the part where I said the injection is a gene therapy that forces your body uh, without end to produce billions of these spike proteins, and the spike proteins are what made you sick when you had the actual disease. But if you, if you get the injection on top of already having the disease, what's going to happen? Think about this in your mind. Your body's going to say, I'm seeing billions of these spike proteins. I know this spike. This spike made me sick last year. I'm going to sound the alarm, get an incredibly huge immune response, inflammation, white cells, T cells, B cells. You're going to have what basically amounts to an overreaction. You could have severe physical illnesses for years. You could go into um, autoimmune crises from this. It's called antibody-dependent enhancement. Your body goes just sort of really uh, to the extreme to try to protect you because it already has a surveillance system for the spike protein of the COVID, COVID, uh, the SARS-CoV-2. Does that help explain why you definitely don't want to get this? Now, you might say to me, Dr. Ruby, why is my doctor telling me to get it? I would say to you, I, I don't believe all doctors are evil, but I do believe a lot of them are ignorant. And I'm going to share something. I actually had my GP recently tell me to get it. I just laid out for her <laughs> everything I've shared on Mon- Monica's show. Yeah, this is really fun. That's hilarious. You know her reaction was, William? <laughs> yeah, you know what her reaction? I just simply said, why would I want to do that? Here's the deal. And I laid out everything I did in the first 10 minutes of Monica's show and everything I just shared with William. And her jaw dropped and she said, oh my, uh, I have to go back and do some reading. So I think a lot of doctors are just ignorant. They're busy, like the rest of us, running their lives, their businesses, making a living. And they're not mm-hmm. stopping you know, to, to really look at what they're telling their people to do. And some of them have even taken it. And William, many of them have died. I get reports of physicians dying all the time in their 40s and 50s. It seems that the younger you are, if you're under like 70 or 80, the reaction is, uh, and that's probably because a lot of people were exposed to the virus and have some antibodies, have a legitimate surveillance system, but they just don't know it. And to put this on top of it, it's just really dangerous. This yeah. is a flu with a, with an almost 100% recovery rate. Why would you want to jeopardize your future health yeah. for that? Amen. William, thank you for calling, sir. Thank you for taking time out, uh, you know, to educate yourself, uh, your family, people around you. Again, I will have uh, this show will be posted. I I hope and I fully expect that anyone who follows me, anyone on the call today, We'll take it and share it far and wide. Listen to it as many times as you need to until it gets down into your spirit. And again, this really is a decision between you and your maker, not you and us, not you and the government, you know, not you and your next vacation. I'm, I'm encouraging people to please pray about what you need to do for your health and use discernment. And part of discernment is uh, gathering facts and data and, uh, you know, listening to people who have your best interest at heart, which I believe Dr. Ruby does. We have another caller, uh, someone who's calling about, um, is it Nova testing? 
Sure. Until we get to hear from the caller, I'm happy to just say a couple of words about the Novavax. Um, everybody's familiar with the first four companies, Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, and Janssen, which is J&J also. Okay. Same thing. But there are two other companies, and the caller rightfully mentioned Novavax, and the other company is Sanofi, Pasteur, and uh, GlaxoSmithKline are in partnership. So those two, but basically they are they they go mm-hmm. about it in a little a little bit different way, but they're all they all end up in the same place, which is forcing your body okay. to produce the toxic pathogenic spike protein. Okay, I think we may have the caller back with us. Are you there? About the Hi. note. Hey, can you hear me? yes, we can. Welcome. Who are we speaking with? Hi. Uh- <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I did. I didn't mention Nova testing, but um, so that's why I didn't know you were talking about me. Um, okay. I just heard a beat, so I apologize. Um, I'm calling regarding the update that the CDC posted on their website. Um, I'm from California. I've been with my company for more than 20 years, and I work with our board uh, for a trade association. And we recently uh, were told that in order to travel, um, we would have to have this vaccine um, for at least two weeks or longer. I'm not inclined to get this vaccine uh, because I don't, I believe everything that Dr. Ruby has been saying. And thank you for, for having this. And Monica, I appreciate you taking my call. Of course. Um, I'm just concerned with how the CDC is on their website as of May 11th saying it's safe and effective. And I'm trying to come up with an argument why I shouldn't have to take this vaccine to do my job. Those are two really great questions. Um, Let me address the first one. Uh, in terms of, and, and you have a, it's, it's a very uh, legitimate question. I, I asked myself this months ago, why is the CDC, a, a previously trusted organization, which by the way is, is really a for-profit vaccine company, they hold 58 patents, but we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> but the question about why, why are they saying it's safe and effective? Safe and effective is actually a technical legal term that the FDA, if the FDA claims that you have proven safety and efficacy, through the stages of, of research that I laid out earlier in the program, then you get that designation. No one can say they have a product that is safe and effective unless they have gone through those stages that have their data accepted by the FDA and then and had that product uh, illegally approved by the FDA, in which we, we don't have any approvals yet, thank God. So I don't know why they're doing that. Uh, it's for the same reason. It's, it's part of the trillion dollar question. Why are we being pushed in, in, at breakneck speed to, you know, to inject the entire population of the world uh, with something that is, has almost a 100% recovery rate. If we could figure that out, we could all retire to Tahiti. Um, I mean, I have my theories, but I don't deal in theories as a scientist. But let me uh, go to your second question, because I think it's really important, and a lot of Americans are facing this dilemma right now um, about some employers asking them, or even beyond re- recommending it, requiring it. Um, you have to know your rights. I would recommend that you go, and I've got a couple other suggestions. Go, and I know we have to talk fast because we don't have a lot of time, but go to the Frontline Doctors uh, website, which is that, that whole group, Dr. Simone Gold and her group. They are a wealth of information. They've got a tab there for legal support. Um, but also there are some great templates for forms that you can give an employer and say, listen, uh, if you're asking me to have this, then I want you to sign a document saying that if I get ill or I'm injured, permanently or temporarily, that you're going to be responsible for it. A, I guarantee they'll back off. Two, I don't know if you're aware of this, but OSHA just came out with a statement a few days ago that said that if companies require it, 
then if someone, an employer, employee is injured and sick from the vaccine, timeout, whatever, not only do they, are they considering it a work-related injury, but that company gets dinged, you know, on their safety record. So this is going to make a lot of um, employment entities take a step back. The, the third thing you can do is you can, if, if you have a, if you, if you want to defer to just sort of, you know, hang on to your job as long as possible, you can claim a, a medical exemption and see how far you can get with that with your HR department. It's, it's not, you know, fraudulent or anything like that. It's perfectly legal and legitimate. If you have any of the, you should look up the ADA, you know, accepted disabilities. Um, whether you're a previous cancer patient or not, I know of someone who said to their employer, you know, I'm a cancer patient and it's a chronic illness and I'm always in remission, thank God, but I can't, I, my, my oncology group has told me I you know, really can't take this. And that was enough for that person. So there are varying ways you can hold it off. But in the end, let me say this to you, and I'm putting my money where my mouth is uh, because I, I, I have been in that situation. And if I'm in it again, I'll make the same decision. You may have to come to the hard choice of your life or this particular employment situation. It's not something we like to do to walk away from a job. Um, but if this is your only choice after you've exhausted all the other things I mentioned, um, then, then I would say do it because, like I said, if this is something you're going to have to be fighting and dealing with for the rest of your life, if you make it the full length of your life, it's not no job is worth that. I hope all that is. I, I agree something. with you because I'm, I've been to American Frontline Doctors. I've, I've looked at their forms, and I would do that, but I am not willing to get it even if they decide to sign it. So I, I, I agree with you, and it's, I've already prepared, you know, my family for I may have to walk away, you know, at 20 years, um, but I'm still 20-something years away from retiring. So um, it, yep. it's unfortunate, and I'm just really disappointed that, yep. that it's come to this. Yeah. yeah. It's a terrible position that employers are putting people in, yeah. and I'm holding my breath, um, praying to God that the airlines don't jump on that like they've jumped on the mask. Right. Because the only way to shut that down is really for all of us to really suck it up and stop flying for a month. Exactly. And bring them to their knees because nothing talks in this country like commerce and business. Yep. Amen to that. Thank you for calling. I mean, I thought I had until I thought I had until January when we were supposed to go to Hawaii, given Hawaii is shut down. But they just announced it just the other day that in order to travel, which we have a few in California. I mean, I'm with my board, and so I would be probably the only one that I can tell that hasn't been vaccinated. And so it comes sooner than I expected. So I appreciate yeah. your time. Thank of you course. Monica. Thank you. You're welcome, dear. Thanks so much for calling in. I greatly appreciate you. Um, so, you know, I, I tell me about it, but I, you know, this kind of reminds me of the old adage don't make a permanent decision in a temporary situation. And do you have time for one more call? I sure do. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've got Bobby's calling about spike proteins and wants to talk about, uh, well, has a question. So again, this is like a program that I have. It's not an actual call screener. So I'm like reading between the, the AI lines here. Okay. But let's go to Bobby and bring Bobby onto the call. Bobby, are you with us? Great. Hi, Monica. Can you hear me? Hey, yes. Thanks so much for calling. What's your question? Welcome. Yeah, look, it's great. Thanks for, for the show you're putting on today. And, and I just have a quick question for Dr. Ruby. Um, the Great information to share today. Thank you. Um, I understand what you're saying about how the injection 
basically is is uh, is telling my body, okay, I, and I have not had the vaccine or or the non-vaccine, the injection, but um, I understand what you're saying to be that the injection tells my body to start making this spike protein, which is actually the the bad part of the of of COVID. Um, what is the what is the point of what I didn't catch is kind of closing the loop on that. Why why is that important? Why do they want your body to produce the spike protein? Is it to then build up an immunity? Well, first of all, thanks for the question, Bobby, and great great to hear from you. You really have digested a lot of the material. I can tell. Um, your question actually goes back to the benevolence of the government, which I believe is a myth. Why do I think that? Because with studies still ongoing to 2023. The CDC is making claims that these are safe and effective. That tells me that there's corruption. That tells me they're lying outright to my face as, a, as a, someone who's been in these processes for 20 years, pharmaceutical drug processes development. Why do I, yeah. I mean, I don't like to get into theory because, I mean, I do have my beliefs. I'm a human being. But I, I like to stay true to the science. Um, they're saying that, yes, they want you to develop, you know, the uh, antibodies to the spike. So if they have... Uh, a messenger RNA get into your cell and, and force your body to make the spike, then your body will automatically, you know, then start to create the surveillance system and right. killer teeth to go and get it. The problem is when you have the natural disease, like I said to you before, there are two processes to make you well again that make you recover. Your body uh, realizes it, and it, it, it creates a memory of it with the B cells, and then it creates an army of T cells to take it out, digest it, you know, neutralize it chemically, break it up into parts that will go into the feces and the urine and be excreted. Um, The problem is there's no turnoff valve, and your body is going to be forced. It's like your body is going to believe that it's in a perpetual state of active COVID uh, infection. People have said to me, I was COVID negative before I took the vaccine, they call it vaccine, but after two or three weeks or four weeks later, I was tested again to go to, to go on a trip or to get on an airplane or whatever they had to do, and I'm positive. Every time I'm testing, now I'm positive. Yes, you're positive because you, you have made millions of spike proteins, and the PCR, which is a whole other story for another show, Right. The fraudulent test is a super sensitive protein detector. I made the joke on Twitter the other day. It would detect SARS in a in a ham sandwich because ham is protein. <laughs> so yeah, so I know I make fun of it, but at least people remember, right? Yes. So right. Right. It, it's a dangerous proposition, and there's no turnoff valve. That's why I know it's permanent. Hey, could I could I follow up on that, Monica? Cut me off if I'm taking up too much. Oh no, you're could good. I follow you're up good. Because why. Why? Why would we not? By the way, I follow you on Telegram, uh, Monica. So good stuff. I like your. your Thank you. you the um, why, Doctor Ruby? Would we not be using the old? I'm going to say the old-fashioned way, the former way of developing a, a true vaccine for this. Is it because they just haven't figured out how to do it with COVID yet? Well, again, that goes back to the benevolence question. But I will say <laughs> this: uh, the they are hot to trot on this genetic modification. I personally believe just from the scientific information that I'm seeing, that it's like a little paper trail that this is really a rehearsal for something even worse. And I don't mean to scare mm. people, but if you can get people to take genet- genetically modifiable substances, you can, you can get them to take them for other reasons. 
And right. so what you're asking, why didn't we just use a traditional approach? Uh, like I said, they're hard to trot on the mRNA technology for the, I believe, for those reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But when they started to look at mRNA, like I said to you, in SARS-CoV-1, uh, they failed because they couldn't get past preclinical. And the FDA said, get, get the heck out of here. Not that the FDA is without corruption. Don't get me wrong. But they basically <laughs> said, there's no way we can justify this. So the, the ferrets, uh, animals by species were just dying um, because they, mm. they have a shorter lifespan. And the reason we use animals, especially mice, knockout mice, are particularly um, aligned to human progression. But they do it faster. So if you give them something, they're going to manifest symptoms much faster. So we'll know in a matter of weeks what we wouldn't know in a human for maybe months or years. Mm-hmm. So you follow mm-hmm. that? So with SARS-CoV-1, yep. everything died. Nothing could get off, you know, get off, launched off. This time, somehow, somebody, I don't know, paid off somebody, coerced right. somebody to let these four companies, and it's reprehensible, Bobby, jump hmm. over the preclinical stages because they never would have gotten SARS-CoV-2 quote vaccine out the door mm, right. if they were wow. they had to go through the preclinical right does yeah. that help bobby well, look great information it does it does and thank you both very much of Appreciate course it. thank you thank have you a, have so a much. great have a great day what a smart audience you have wow well thank you, you i educated. love my audience they're wonderful <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we have, sure a, are. thank you so much. I, I know, you know, people are listening and I'm, I'm getting messages online and, and people are now, um, they're afraid. Some of them who have already had the vaccine. Please wait. Just please wait, please wait. Everyone. What, what, wait. Do, what do I say to people to who have already had it though, doctor, because as a minister, I know how I approach this level of, of fear. And I, and I have people in my immediate circles who have already had it and they, some of them feel like they're being shamed for having it. And that's certainly never, uh, that is, that word is not even in my vocabulary. I hate it, but it, but, but, um, I, I do, you know, from a faith perspective, I kind of feel like, well, you know, and you know, we talked about this yesterday, I'm a Christian. And so I, you know, always direct people to, if they are a Christian, to the faith and the fact or the truth that we believe by faith that Jesus's blood in his broken body uh, is greater than any disease man-made or otherwise manufactured or vaccines or non-vaccines or whatever. Um, and, and so that's what I stand on. And ultimately I think that does comfort people. Um, and that's why I say it, you know, to bring, and I believe it, uh, but to comfort, but it, I'm, I'm grieved by some of the messages that I'm getting because people are, they're listening to you and light bulbs are now going off. And and their and some of their symptoms are starting yeah. to make sense. And is there any truth to like the like the magnet? Well, I'm about to ask you this, even though I have a relative who absolutely had the magnetism happening in the vaccination site from one of the vaccines. Is this nanoparticle related? Is this you know? What, is this part of the genetic modifier with this magnetism that's happening, or do you know? Well. Co- couple of things. Um, I, I really don't know. And I'll tell you why. We don't know, in general, everything that's in these injections. But right. We call them excipients. Okay. Um, in addition to the mRNA piece that's going in, there are all kinds of other things, and all, the nanoparticles and all the chemicals that go into it. And we could do a whole show on yeah. that. But let me say this. Um, my heart grieves for those people who have taken the full you know, number of shots. 
Yeah. Um, if you've only taken one, please don't take the second one. Um, if you have, and, and let me say something else. Um, God can do anything. When I say permanent, I mean in the physical world. Amen. Yeah, God absolutely. Can reverse anything. Right. And cure anything. So right. I would, do, I don't mean to sound trite, but I would do a lot of praying. Yeah. And here's what I would say. Do God's work. And here's what God's work is next. You want to know what you can all do next? Whether you've been injected or not, storm the doors, the phones, your legislatures, your uh, organizations, the CDC, and stop this poison from going into babies and children while we have time. We have a very little window of time left. Don't let them set up these clinics in schools like they're trying to. They're paying uh, pediatricians. They're paying them huge grants. Don't kid yourself. These companies know how to do it. Please don't let them give this to our babies and our children. Pay that forward and save God's children, I believe God will find a way. Somehow in the technology, we will find a way scientifically to help people who've already taken it. But right now we have to protect babies and children. Yeah. Amen to that. Doctor, you have been wonderful. Thank you for taking your an hour out of your Saturday, nevertheless, <laughs> to uh, to visit with us. Where can people find you um, and reach out to you or your uh, web, web address or any more information yeah. about you? And, th- and thank you for having me. You know, I, um, I, I love what you do, Monica. I think you're, you know, you're really an instrument of God. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I had a chance to be with you and your, your listeners today. Um, I can, I'm, can be found. I have a website, drjaneruby.com. If you have any stories or, or questions, um, I'm trying to keep up with it. And I'm pretty, doing pretty good so far. Yeah. Um, it's, I have a Proton mail account, which for those of you, if you're not sure what Proton is, it's encrypted. It's very private. You can delete a uh, day after you send me something. So your stuff is never out there. Whatever you want to do, it's Dr. 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 Jane Ruby at protonmail.com. And, you know, watch me on um, InfoWars, um, Stu Peters, yeah. Monica. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, those shows. Yeah, yeah, well, you. you are welcome back yeah. anytime. And Twitter and Facebook. Twitter and Facebook. What are you, where are you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter is Dr. James DC with, okay. a, with a lower, uh, yeah, with an underscore. Okay, yeah, excellent. Okay. Trying to hide out me out again. <laughs> well, tell they, me about it. Me yeah, I know. You told me yeah. they kind of cut your, they, they cut your numbers, uh, yeah. more, more than half. They so down. yeah, I know that yep. that's, that's, but the... I'm still here, Monica. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm You're with here. us and that's all that matters. As long as I can get it out. <laughs> I love it. And we love you. We're very grateful for you. Of course, you're welcome back anytime and any new information that develops. Let's stay in touch and, uh, and I'll keep you posted over here as well. Will do. All right. Thank you, doctor. God bless you too. Have a good day. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. I hope this has blessed you today. I love you guys so much. Thank you for joining me and I'll be back again. (laughs) I'm out of here. I'm going to go get some sun and probably, um, uh, not the first miracle, but something that monks make in my mother's homeland, Germany. You guys can go figure that out. I love you. Bye.